Most people know that Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication with law enforcement, as well as create educational opportunities so we can be better, more informed citizens. For the last several months, all the news stations have been promoting a negative mindset towards the entire law enforcement community. I agree that some of the recent events are beyond egregious. However, those events do not represent the vast majority of the brave men and women who risk their lives daily to keep the rest of us safe. I'm asking you to please, next time you see a member of law enforcement, show some appreciation and thank them for their service. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. We're going to start the show off with our Above and Beyond segment, and we have Francisco on the phone to talk to us. He's from TPD. Francisco, tell us what your capacity is with the department, and then tell us about our our law enforcement officers. Sure. Hello. Uh, first, uh, good morning. morning. Uh, my name is Francisco Magos. I am a uh, Tucson police officer, and right now I serve as a public information officer for the department. Awesome. I want to hear about these guys because I watched the video last night and went, oh, my God, that is so awesome. (laughs) Right, right. So this happened back in March of this year. We have two officers that uh, patrol the east side of town, Officer Fedor and Officer Stout. Uh, Both of these officers have been with us for about uh, four years. Uh, So as officers, you know, we we strive to be problem solvers and strive to – improve the quality of life for our community, right? Not necessarily making an arrest, but uh, anyway, these two officers working the east side of town, as they do their job, they come to know uh, a gentleman in the neighborhood who goes by Frank. Um, Many people know Frank in the neighborhood. He's a sweetheart, all-around good guy. Uh, These officers notice that uh, in their time with with talking with Frank over uh, their time working, they noticed that Frank started to struggle to walk. So this uh, this was one of the problems that the the officers looked at, thought about, thought about it, and uh, figured out what can we do to help Frank out here. So they really got the ball rolling on this. They started making lots of phone calls, and they got uh, local nonprofits involved. And with that, they were able to get uh, Frank a new power chair. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I I saw that he was pretty. Um pretty shocked that somebody would think of him and and try to help him out for sure that uh so we posted that video up and uh frank's reaction is just it's it's incredible it's it's great to see and it just shows uh uh the the devotion to the community and just really what what an awesome community that we have here that we work with oh absolutely we have more amazing officers then, you know, this isn't Minnesota people. This is Arizona. We've got some amazing officers here, and we it's time we recognize them. I'm going to be posting that video on our website at lawmatters1030.org, and this segment of the show will be posted there, too, in our Above and Beyond section. And I just want everybody to take a second and check it out, because our officers, all the law enforcement agents, need some recognition for the job they do. They work really hard. And Francisco, I'm going to be talking to you later this weekend to talk about next week, okay? For sure. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Okay. Thanks for calling in. I also want to tell people, if you go on our website, lawmatters1030.org, go to the blog page. There is a series of photos there of our search and rescue people working. What you're looking at on that page is not a dress rehearsal. It's the real deal. And it's 
I think, a couple of different rescues that they did. It's very cool and very dangerous. Okay, in studio, we have Dr. Jennifer Miller and attorney Russell Sarko. Did I do it right? Perfect. Awesome. Okay, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, getting your ducks in a row early before you need your ducks in a row because sometimes you're working on things last minute and it doesn't work out really well. We want to talk, before we talk about all that, I want to talk about the vaccine. Okay. Because some states are offering lottery tickets, vacation, free college, all this happy stuff. I'm feeling a little gypped. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm wondering, you know, if if Arizona offered something like that, I'd probably be getting in the back of the line every time, you know, get more, more chances to win. If you get a lot of vaccine... Can it make you sick, or do you just get really healthy? Uh, that's a great question, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't believe you get any more healthy healthy <laughs> as a result of multiple vaccines. On the other hand, I also don't believe you're going to be getting any more sick because what it's doing is it's stimulating your immune system, and there's just only so much stimulation that's going to happen. And... Uh, the virus is not going to be replicating in your body. It's not all of a sudden going to be depositing, you know, in your fat cells to and wait to <laughs> pop out, you know, when uh, you least expect it. No, nothing, nothing weird is going to happen. Uh, unfortunately, you know, those vaccines that maybe people are getting multiples of could be put to better use in getting people vaccinated who haven't been vaccinated yet. But yes, true. You you could uh, likely get a, a two or three vaccines and you're still going to be healthy. Okay. I just wonder, because when I heard that on the news, I was like, wow, I would want more than one chance. Well, whatever. That's me. That's That's, where my mind went. That's called Powerball. (laughs) That's called Powerball. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about five wishes and what this does um, for your client, for the patient, and what it does to help the doctor and the medical personnel handling that patient. Tell me about the five wishes. The Five Wishes is a pamphlet, and at my office, you will see it on the wall, and uh, it's in a bin, and I will often mention it, and if you're interested, give you this pamphlet. But it's a few pages talking about what you need to think about at the end of your life. Um, the Five Wishes are the person I want to make my medical decisions the kind of medical treatment I want or don't want, how comfortable I want to be, how I want people to treat me, and what I want my loved ones to know. So there's actually quite a bit of things you should think about before you know death comes around or before you get super sick and you're not able to make those decisions. And I think everyone knows they're going to die, but no one ever thinks they're going to die today. And... You know, I under, I certainly understand that it's not very fun to talk about death and, and end of life. But if you're able to have these discussions early, I think it's very comforting for not only yourself, but family members as well, as since you've already had the conversation and you know what each other wants. You know, I, I appreciate that. And I've been in situations where people have come to me and, you know, hey, I want you to handle this or I want you to, you know, be the executor. And sometimes you don't always know exactly what they want because it's not in writing. That's a verbal situation. 
And if it's not in writing, how does that affect your job as uh, medical personnel? What happens if somebody comes in, they're really sick, nothing's in writing, so you don't know what they want? What is your duty? So there's different scenarios depending upon what part of the medical team you're facing at this dire situation in your life. So, you know, if if you're super sick and uh, someone has just called 911 for you and you're at home and the paramedics get there, unless you have a DNR form that's orange and has your picture on it, they're going to be resuscitating you no matter what, no matter what. Then when you get to the emergency department, we're going to be frantically looking in your wallet to see who you are, what your name is, because the wives and family members are often behind, and if we have any record of what your wishes are. And if we don't know your wishes, we're going to assume you want us to resuscitate you. So sometimes we start a resuscitation, and the family comes, and they say, oh, this isn't what they wanted. <laughs> so, and, you know, I, I don't think that param- it may be different in different states, and it may be different according to different medical directors. I, I, you can let me know, but often the paramedics cannot not do a resuscitation unless that orange piece of paper is there. They, there's too many situations that they're out there. They, they just don't really have time to make decisions. So for them, they're going to be resuscitating you. When you get to the emergency department, we... We have it a little bit differently. Sometimes we do have paperwork or sometimes a family member was able to speed over to the hospital and tell us that they didn't want something. If if we have a family member that is there, we will listen to them. You don't have to have any paperwork. If, if um, your spouse comes in first and then the ambulance comes in and the spouse says, uh, yes, he's my husband and I know that he does not want to be resuscitated in the emergency department, we're going to listen to you. Where do you keep this orange paper with your picture on it? We tell people to leave it on the refrigerator. So somewhere that it's going to be obvious, most people have refrigerators, so that's the first place that a paramedic is going to look at. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And while you're picking people to, you know, make these decisions for you if you're not able to, um, you want to consider somebody that may not want to, you know, speed up the process by standing on your air hose. <laughs> yeah. You know, somebody who's who's got your best interest in mind. <laughs> so what other things does does this five wishes do? I mean you're talking after death situation, is that part of the uh program? That's all part of it. This five wishes is just amazing and I think I'm gonna go home and fill this out. after this discussion because I was, of course, really reading carefully through all of this before I got on the air today. And it's just amazing all the different things it has you think about. And it's truly, truly just so important. I guess, the you know, the first two are the things that most people think about. So the first one is, who do I want to make my medical decisions, you know, when I'm unable to? Somebody who likes you. Somebody who likes you, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so also you want to make sure that if you get divorced, you might want to update this form, that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, or if the child that loves you dies and the one that doesn't is <laughs> still around, yeah, so the demon child. There might be a, a time when you need to revise this. But another thing to think about is, you want the person who's going to be able to stay calm and actually make the decisions. Sometimes the person who is the closest one to you is not going to be the person that you want to designate to make the decisions. Because not they're be- emotionally attached. They're very emotionally attached. So 
That's something to think about. That being said, most people do use a spouse or their daughter, you know, of course, a very close family member that they feel comfortable with and have had a long relationship with. That will follow through even though they may not agree with what it says. Exactly. So that's that's huge. That's definitely a big part of the discussion. Yeah. So now let's keep us honest here. (laughs) I want to know, Russell, from you, how often should a person update their their paperwork? Well, that's uh, there's no set schedule for that. That's something that uh, personal life circumstances is going to dictate. You just mentioned the divorce. Uh, that's certainly uh, a cataclysmic event, which uh, suggests something big has changed in my life. What are the other big things that need to be changed in my life? But also, uh, sometimes people need to do that because the people they designate for providing that guidance when they're not able to communicate that person moves out of their lives. That person has passed on. That person is not going to be physically available. A um, couple of weeks ago, we ran into a situation where the person who had that authority was stationed in Germany. Uh, that person can't make decisions, can't follow the, uh, participate in the in the process very easily or dynamically. In fact, that person was actually deployed on maneuvers. That person was in was in Germany, but not even available telephonically. Those kinds of circumstances might suggest I need to have my backup in place. Plan B. And well-prepared documentation of the kind we're talking about, a living will and these and these uh, important powers of attorney. Um, those documents will have a backup in place, a pre-de- pre-designated substitute or a su- successor to make those decisions. Can that be in the same document? Because here's, here's my preference and... If they're not available, here's plan B? Absolutely. Okay. Well, when we prepared these documents, a, a living will, for instance, uh, we have a primary designee and we have backups, sometimes more than one. Is that what you would call the Five Wishes program, a living will? Well, no, the living will is a component of the Five Wishes program. Uh, okay. I, in fact, I think it goes to number two of your wishes specifically. So the living will is not the whole program. Um, it is a component of the program and it's an important part of that program. More importantly, I think, uh, at least legally speaking, because this is a wonderful, uh, the Five Wishes is a wonderful family um, guidance process and, a, a, you know, an opportunity to have dialogue with people who are important. It would open up dialogue for sure. Unquestionably. Uh, but in the legal context, uh, the living will is a part of a packet of documentations that are prepared in advance of, uh, of, of an actual need for them. And uh, Arizona has a wonderful uh, free service provided by the Arizona Secretary of State's office where these documents can be maintained. Uh, and you get, uh, I, I love the fact that Dr. Miller was saying, uh, you know, at the EER, we look at their wallet. What, what do they have there? Well, one of the things you can find in there is a, a registration card with the Secretary of State's office that says, you can get all of my directive information. If I can't talk to you, I've already talked to you with my living will and with my powers of attorney. And it's filed. And it's filed and it's accessible to any healthcare provider, including EMTs, incidentally. Uh, those, those emergency medical responders uh, can get access to that, too, if they know to look for it. You can learn a lot about a person by going through their wallet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we want to know, a caller, a listener wants to know, where do they find uh, the five wishes? Yeah, that's a great question. You can find, you can just Google fivewishes.org. 
and you're going to it's going to take you right to where you need to get that information. So it, it has a blue cover on it. Yep. And it says five wishes. Exactly. So you can get an online version and you can also buy multiple pamphlets or booklets, I guess is more what you would say booklets and they're uh, I think they're $3 a piece. Yeah, they're really inexpensive. And it really helps you get started on this path of getting everything organized and like you say, things need to be updated. As a single parent, I, every two years, would update and make sure that the people I wanted to take care of my son, if something happened to me, were still willing and able to do that and other, you know, significant things. But people need to think about that. Now that he's out of the house and, you know, I I haven't done my paperwork in a long time. <laughs> so you can't go online and get it? I'm asking John. Yeah. Uh, FiveWishes.com. Five I mean, not com.org. I was just on it last night. Yeah, so was I. FiveWishes.org. It's not a com. It's a, it's a nonprofit that helps people get their stuff together. So he's looking for it. When he finds it, he's going to pop it up here. So, <laughs> so Okay. Um, I, I guess I wanted to also mention we're talking about the healthcare agents and who you're going to choose. I, w- I would just like to mention a few things that your health agent is going to be deciding, not just if you get resuscitated or not. They're going to be deciding um, what happens to your body when you die, if you want burial, cremation, autopsy, if your organs are going to be donated. They're going to be deciding. They can also decide if you're mentally deemed incapable of making your own decisions, if you're going to get antipsychotic medications, electroconvulsive therapy. If you're pregnant, that person is going to decide if you're going to have treatment or not. Okay, what what about that therapy? What's that about? The electroconvulsive? Yeah. Uh, that Sounds is scary. a treatment for depression when nothing else has worked, and it's basically just like... You know, it's Getting not chased. as awful as what it shows in the movies, but they do put basically, you know, some electrodes on your head and shock your brain. And it, it used to be that it did cause seizures in people, but now they're given medication, so we don't actually see the bodily seizures going on. But I just want to let you wow. know, your healthcare power of attorney, or they have a lot of power so you really want to be sure that you're picking the right person yeah oh my god (laughs) well and you also want to be sure that that person is going to honor your wishes and you want to give that person a lot of guidance that person doesn't have to make the decisions that person only has to relate the permit your your uh predetermined choices to to be communicated okay so if you decide you don't want to be tased with in the head, you have to put that in writing? Yes. Okay, what what were the other options in there? That There was a couple of them that were kind of scary. Uh, they want to know about, or they'll want to know about organ donation. Oh, yeah, if they want anything, they yeah. can have it. Burial or cremation. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to allow an autopsy? Um, no, wait a minute. Allow an autopsy. Isn't in some circumstances, isn't it required? In some circumstances, yes. So what you say may not matter if... Correct. Okay. But there are many situations where somebody, let's say they're 70, maybe they didn't have an expectation of dying, but, you know, by that time he's on a couple heart medicines and, you know, probably he had a heart attack. There's, 
you know, they're going to say if they're going to say no. That's okay. We don't. Do you have it. to pay for the autopsy? That I don't know. Yes. Uh, unless it's done by the medical examiner, uh, and then it's being done because there's an investigation that suggests some potential for crime. Crime. Um, in that case, the uh, the direction not to do an autopsy doesn't come into play. But for voluntary op- uh, autopsies, uh, I work with a private investigator here in town uh, as part of my law practice, and he uh, does a fair amount of referrals out to an organization he's part of to do private autopsies. When and you have, a, you have to pay for that if you want. Absolutely, and that's you know a pretty healthy expense. Yeah? Like how much? What do you think? Ballpark. Uh, I've seen them go from about $4,000 up to about $19,000. I think I would take the medical examiner's word for it. Well, there may not be a medical examiner to, to uh, give you a word about that. Okay. Uh, in, in most of these cases, the suspicions are that there hasn't been a crime that's going to be prosecutable that's been committed, but that there's something else that has contributed to. Um, like standing in their air hose? Uh, well, uh, you know, a, a stepchild <laughs> sometimes. Uh, I don't I don't want to impugn anybody's family structures, but right. uh, sometimes there's, you know, a, a a new wife comes into the scene and uh and he's 80 and she's 38 and uh it's What's her seventh marriage. That? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. For as long as it lasts nothing. <laughs> nothing. Wow. Okay. So, and there was something else on there. What's the other thing they have? I guess one of the other things to mention is uh if you're pregnant, this person is going to decide what treatment you're going to have, including no treatment at all. Because if you're pregnant, part of the decision is going to be about the mom and the baby, the mom or the baby, the baby or the mom. Sometimes, I wouldn't want that decision. Most of the time, you know, if the mom can be saved, then the the baby can be saved. But, of course, you know, you can probably imagine some situations where not everybody gets to be saved. I would leave that up to the doctor. Yeah. I would. I, I just, I would. You know, what's the best thing? You, you're, you're in the field. But I don't plan on getting pregnant. So <laughs> I'm not going to have to worry about that. Okay, the listener, the situation was the listener doesn't have a computer. So where do they get a copy of Five Wishes? Where's your office? They could go there, can't they? Sure. I am working with Northwest Allied Physicians. I'm at the La Paloma office. So I am, it's basic, it's 4001 East Sunrise Drive. And in my rooms, each one has a bin that we always have stocked with these five wishes so that people can take them if they want them. So that's on Sunrise by La Hacienda de Sol. That's yeah. right at that intersection there. Right by the big urgent care, right next door. Right. So that's where you can go get a copy of this, and it's it's worth the trip. It's fun reading. You realize, oh, gee, I don't have my ducks in a row. So, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. This is Deputy Chuke with Pima County Search and Rescue. Save your phone's battery life so when you get lost, we may contact you. Wearing bright colors that can be seen from a distance helps the effort. This is a rescue, not a scavenger hunt. Hi, this is Sherry inviting you to join Law Matters Live Show every Saturday morning at 8. On our next show, we have a conversation with Pima County Cold Case Investigator James Gaber. Do you have a cold case question? Get them ready and call in at 790-2040. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and please support our mission at lawmatters1030.org. Until then, stay safe.
This is John, a volunteer with Pima County Search and Rescue. Planning a day hike? Start hydrating a few days ahead, bring plenty of water, sunscreen, a first aid kit, and proper clothing. It's the smart thing to do. This is Amy, a volunteer with Pima County Search and Rescue. An energy drink for breakfast will not prepare you for a day-long hike. Bring food, water, appropriate clothing, and a fully charged cell phone, especially a fully charged cell phone. Daylight is fading and the temperature is dropping. You're not only cold, hungry, and lost in a densely wooded area, you're injured. Time is of the essence. Sarsi is a highly trained team of dedicated volunteers who work closely with Pima County Search and Rescue to help people in critical situations just like this. To join an exclusive team of heroes, go to sarsi.org. That's S-A-R-C-I dot org. We need your knowledge, experience, and of course, your generous spirit. This is Colleen, a volunteer with Pima County Search and Rescue, reminding you to consider the dangers of monsoon season and bring appropriate clothing. Also wear a hat. Sun protection is not just sunscreen. Besides, it makes you look smart. Thanks for staying with us. I want everybody to listen to Search and Rescue. They know what they're talking about. Okay, I want to talk about these do-it-yourself kits. And this is kind of a do-it-yourself kit, but but not the one I've been dealing with lately. Um, Head of family went online, uh, do-it-yourself family trust. And there's some language in there that has me a little concerned. (laughs) Um, What do you tell people when they see these do-it-yourself kits for a family trust or for a will? What do do they need to know before they go buying one of those and filling it out? Probably the most important single thing to know at the outset is, is this going to be valid for what I need it to be valid for in my state? Trust law is state-specific. There are some general principles that apply because federal law also has some application to it. Taxation, for instance, is federal, uh, primarily at least. Uh, but um, the kits that are available on the Internet uh, are typically, there are companies who want to sell to the broadest public, broadest audience. And so they're generally, a, they'll suggest that they're available to uh, be used in any state. Well, that may not be the case. Uh, Arizona doesn't have uh, any specific forms for trust. It has statutes that that can give you guidance, but that's going to be kind of a complicated legal research process. Um, but that's the main thing to look for if you're wanting to buy one of these kits is make sure it's going to have validity in the place where it has to have validity for your purposes. Yeah, I think, and we were talking about the five wishes is valid in the state of Arizona. Uh, five wishes, the documentation they have that is that is part of the legal process, at least, is recognized in Arizona. It follows the uh, formatting for Arizona uh, acceptably. For that section of your last will and testament. Specifically, yeah. For the powers of attorney and the living will. There's so much more that should be going with it. When you sit down with somebody and talk to them about, you know, hey, let's get your will together, what's the first thing you tell them? Well, the first thing I do is ask a lot of questions. I, I need to hear them before I start telling them things. But the guiding process here is um, a comprehensive package or comprehensive plan for your estate planning involves what am I going to do with my my, health care issues? What am I going to do with decision-making when I can't do that myself? What am I going to do with uh, my family relationships? What am I going to do with respect to, and primarily properties and assets? And debts. That's another part of our lives as we go along, and uh, those don't go away or fall off the table because we pass. Somebody has to deal with those kinds of issues as well. Okay, I, 
what if somebody has, you know, they passed away, they have like less than a thousand dollars in their bank account, but they have like a hundred thousand dollars in debt in their homemade trust, family trust kit. They wrote down that my will, my will, my executor will pay my debts upon death. Does that put the burden on the executor to pay his debts when the executor has no money either? Well, it puts the burden on the executor, and that's in Arizona. We don't use the term executor. It's called a personal representative. Uh, same thing as an executor. It puts the burden on that person to use what resources are available in the estate to discharge ob- those kinds of obligations. Clearly, there's going to be a lot of unpaid debtors in that circumstance. Yeah, and that's that's the only obligation is to follow through and. F- Again, uh, pursuant to Arizona law and pursuant to the will, since you've said in the circumstance there is a will, it just follows it, those directions. And if you, you, know, you don't have to come out of your own pocket as a personal representative to do that, and you certainly don't have to go out and find some way to invent money. Get a printing press. Well, <laughs> then the personal representative has a different kind of a legal problem. <laughs> They'll be talking to you again. Yes. Okay. Between bars. Between bars. What sections do you really give people the homework to do? You know, I want you to go home and and gather this, these documents, or think about this and come back and and let's put it together. What kind of homework do you give your your clients? Uh, I give them, uh, actually I have a sheet I give them that helps them organize some, some things they may not think about initially as part of this process. Go put all your insurance... Uh, policies together in one place. Make sure that the will that you have, original or copy, however you choose to do this, is someplace where lo- people who can locate it easily when they need to do so. Or if you have a trust agreement, the same thing. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had a client who um, passed very precipitously, very un- very suddenly, and had a well-prepared, uh, nicely uh, taken care of estate plan, locked in a safe to which only she had the, uh, <laughs> the code. So it, it it didn't prove to be very valuable. We had to use copies as we were able to get them, but that slowed the process down. Why didn't you just call a safe cracker? <laughs> <laughs> Break into the safe. Uh, they, they Did actually, you know that's where it was? After we couldn't find it anyplace else, we Assumed. you know we came to that conclusion probably, and it was there. And actually, it was an ex-husband who had uh, the code as well. Why wouldn't she not change that code? I. Oh, never mind. <laughs> to me, the issue is why didn't you share that with the two daughters who live here in town? Exactly. Change it and share it with people you want to have it. Right. So are there any kits online that are state-specific that can guide people before they come talk to you? Because I, w- I wouldn't put something together without uh, legal representation because that's just the way it should be. And, and I'm not here to promote uh, business uh, for the legal profession in that regard, but that's especially if you need something more sophisticated like a trust, you don't want to buy a kit online to do that. There are just too many holes you can fall into with that process, not just the state-specific part, but also the federal part. Um, And I I tell people all the time, uh, again, I think Arizona has done a nice job for its citizens in uh, in, from two locations. The Secretary of State's office has some help that they can provide, and the Arizona Attorney General's office, they have a great website, easy-to-access from which you can secure forms that you can fill out, uh, print off and fill out and, and to utilize for powers of attorney. And there's two different kinds. There's a medical health care power of attorney 
and a regular health care power of attorney. Okay. What's the difference? Um, one of those um, deals with uh, medical issues, obviously, and the other one does not. There's also a third one called a mental health care power of attorney. And that one That's gives, the one I need. <laughs> <laughs> that gives more specific directions with respect to someone who may be already treating for a medical care in, or mental health care in some way. Okay. So if they're already being treated for a mental health issue and you're going to go and have them sign, go notarize a POA for them, how do you know that they're mentally sound? What kind of tests do you do? to find out that they know what they're doing. Arizona law is very friendly to people who make those kinds of uh, determinations with respect to executing something, even with holographic wills, a a handwritten will. Uh, Arizona gives a lot of deference to those uh, preparations by people, which means that they assume that they are valid as long as there's some minimum criteria met. Uh, And it's really hard in Arizona, legally speaking. I've tried. I've I've represented people who uh, had an interest in trying to undo a will, or show that at the time a, a codicil, a change to a will, was made, the person lacked mental capacity. Uh, and that's the, that's a very challenging thing to do uh, because of the strong presumption that people, if, you ever, if you've ever, ever read somebody's will, almost always the will starts out with language similar to being of sound mind, sound and disposing mind. I understand who I am. I understand who my, the objects of my affection are. I understand who my beneficiaries are. And... Now I write my will and my give assets. my direction. Yeah. So it, it, that presumption is pretty strong in Arizona. It's pretty hard to undo that. It, can it be done? Yeah, but it's, it's a big hill. Have you undone it? Have I undone it? Yeah. Uh, let me put it this way. In, <laughs> in court, no. And I did a case that took about three years to go to court, and it was a, an immense case, an immense estate. A lot was at risk. Um, that one we did, were not successful with. Um I have had success where we can negotiate something uh, and resolve it by the threat of uh, an expensive process in court. Okay, explain to the listeners the difference between a will that you would create for them and a handwritten will, because a lot of people feel, I'll just write it out. So what's the difference and what, what legal language do they need to have in their handwritten will and does it all have to be handwritten, or can they just fill in the blanks, which can cause problems, I know. <laughs> Arizona has really, again, uh, moved to the front of the line uh, in this process, I think, with respect to trying to recognize changes in the world. To answer your question specifically, a holographic will, um, if the person who's writing that says, I'm writing this, this is I know what I'm doing, and then they put forward whatever they, they want to give away in terms of... Uh, uh, directions about how to handle their estate. Remember, a will doesn't become effective until you die. It's until then, it's just a piece of paper, has and, no legal significance. And at that point, your POA also dies. Correct. So, you know, you, you transfer from this piece of paper to that piece of paper. You, you're no longer a power of attorney. And, and that's one of the reasons that, um, for some people, it makes sense to have a trust. A trust. Unlike a will doesn't become effective when you die, it's effective immediately. You can put provisions in it to deal with the same kinds of things you would deal with in a trust, uh, pardon me, in a will. Uh, and also you can uh, structure a trust in such a way that you can have some of these uh, healthcare type decisions and uh, your, your designee as a person who's going to be making those decisions already in place so that while you're alive, that person can provide help to you, maybe helping you 
handle your finances, for instance. Yeah, you don't want to wait until the last minute until it's required of you or you're in an assisted living place where I, I get called a lot to assisted living places. Please have this filled out and notarize it. And I'm like, oh, do they know what they're doing? You know, lawyers tend to work with the – when they're working with people in the emergency circumstances, it's always the worst-case scenarios. Nobody exactly. comes over to my office and says, let me pay you a couple hundred bucks an hour and let's chat about how good things are. <laughs> it, uh, except with with some estate planning, um, but most of the time, if it's an emergency, it's because something pretty dramatically wrong has gone wrong. And this is uh, I, de- I deal with people also who come out of the nursing home care situations and uh, see some very ugly stories, see some very ugly circumstances. Some of which we can help rectify, and some of them are just uh, it's not going to be easy to take care of. Yeah. I think people don't realize that you can also um, designate who you want to eulogize you at your funeral. People should recognize and understand that they can give remarkably detailed instructions. I have a client who who has the most elaborate explanation about the care of her animals when she uh, is not going to be any longer available to be the caretaker. I mean, diet... Exercise, sleeping arrangements, um, uh, protocols for for the kinds of activities that the, the pets participate in—very elaborately detailed. Wow, that's amazing. And I, I was thinking about the clergy thing. I had a friend, really good friend, who passed away. His name was Emmett, and I, I went to the service, and it was painfully obvious that the preacher did not know Emmett from Adam. And everything was doom and gloom. <laughs> and he was jabbing his finger at the congregation saying, if you don't repent, you sinners, you'll die and you'll go to hell and you'll never see Emmett again. And I thought, oh, my God, this guy thinks Emmett went to heaven. I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, that's something that you can have control over. You know, who's going to eulogize you at your at your funeral? And not do an Emmett situation. And that's important if you, if you want to give instructions like that, that those be available again early in the process. A lot of people, you know, don't even start to look for, for a will until after services have been provided. Now it's time to, you know, we've been grieving, we've been taking care of the emotional part of this, the arrangement part of this, giving notification, getting people together. Uh, now we'll, then, then they want to go pick up the legal side of that. It's important that those instructions be known to people in advance so that they can be followed. No, because it's too late. If you want a specific service, it's too late. You're already in the ground or wherever. So In heaven with Emmett. In heaven with Emmett. I can't believe that. He said that. (laughs) What the heck? So how does this relate to, Dr. Miller, how does this relate to your job? If somebody doesn't have a will, doesn't have all this stuff put together, does it make your job harder? Absolutely. It makes it a lot harder um i would rather not make decisions for somebody who i don't know (laughs) yeah exactly um you know and and if i don't know you i'm going to basically do everything i can to keep you alive whether that's your wishes or not because i have no idea i can't ask you um i do want to point out you know we were just talking about uh what happens at the memorial service and and how you want your dog to be taken care of i just want the listeners to know that is in the five wishes okay (laughs) so wish number five uh it has a long list of different things to think about of how you want 
your family and friends to think about you, remember you, um, and and it's just a really neat way to start thinking about death and 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 it's in that is it can be very comforting actually to have made some of these decisions and give you a type of peace and it's awesome to be able to talk about these things with your loved ones before it becomes an emergency because as you're reading some of these questions in the five wishes booklet you're going at least for me when i read it i thought wow, I really want to make sure that I'm looking at this like 10 years before I die, maybe 15, because there are some questions in here that, yeah, I want my life to look like this when I'm dying. And, uh, you know, if if you're going to be dying in the next week or two, a lot of these wishes aren't necessarily going to come true. That's true. Yeah, people don't think about their pets all the time. You know, if I go, I want everything to happen to, you know, their kids or whatever, and they're not thinking about their pets. Can you donate your pet to a zoo? <laughs> I suppose if it's an exotic animal pet. <laughs> I think I might have one. <laughs> so, what kind of you know what kind of animals did she have? Were they just ordinary dogs, cats, dogs, um, or were they special? Well, they're. I guess what you would identify as as house pets. Okay. But they were special to her. Okay. Because I'm thinking like tur- some turtles live to be, you know, 100 years old. That's what I'm thinking in my head. It's it's pets that may not survive her passing. Um, she's, you know, making these plans in advance. So I, I can't tell you for sure that they'll they'll benefit from this. But anybody who would be responsible for following up on her wishes will have excellent guidance for that. And I'm using one example that's a little bit off the you know, the beaten path with respect to the animals, we certainly ought to be doing those things with our kids. Uh, the Arizona Attorney General's website has a, a promotion as part of its uh, the packet of documents that it has, and, and their documents are much less um, elaborate than the five wishes. They, you know, they don't they give you some guidance, I think, and they give you the legal structure for a couple of those packages that you need to have, but they don't give you the, all this wonderful additional thought process and guidance and and, and spur some some uh, discussion with um, important people about this process. But for the most part, we need to give those kinds of instructions to our uh, to our successors about our families, not just our pets, but more particularly our children. On the website of the AG's office, they have a a cover of a book that's shown, and it says, "What if I get hit by a bus?" Well, you know, we make a life care plans thinking about when I'm ill and incapable, and my, yeah, you're not thinking about the accident. And when our, you know, we kind of expect our lives to uh, wind down differently as we age. As a man with a pure white head of hair, I I understand that. <laughs> Uh, but what if I get hit by a bus? Um, what if it's very suddenly... It's going to leave a nasty mark on your medical record. <laughs> I won't care. <laughs> but I want the the idea is to have the plan in place for people who maybe uh, even young people uh, who need to give their direction and guidance. Um, I, I like that people. lottery winner, the what was a 12-year-old won a million dollars for getting his shot? He should have a will. Uh, actually, I don't think he can. In Arizona, he couldn't receive it. You have to be 18 to receive that kind of a winning. But he can receive it in trust. Somebody else can be responsible for that until he's able to make his own decisions. 
Okay. And pay taxes. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. And pay taxes. The keyword. Oh, yeah, the government's not going to get part of that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, most of it. And what else? Uh, with well, I would, put, I would put everything together. I have a friend who has a binder, a Mickey Mouse binder. And if something happens to him, that's the binder that has everything in it. Insurance policies as well, the trust, the who gets what. And he updates it when he needs to. But everybody knows the Mickey Mouse binder is where you go to if something happens to me. And I thought, wow, you've really got it together. And that's what we need to do. It doesn't have to be everybody who knows it, but some designated people who are most likely to be around when we're not or at least be around when we're not able to communicate our wishes. Those are the people who need to know where that's at. And that's the value, again, of of the forms like the Five Wishes forms uh, and the power of attorney forms and the living will form that you can get free from the Secretary of State's office, which, again, are not as good as the, the Five Wishes forms, but they're legally sufficient. And registering those documents, I, I'm a big salesperson on Explain this. Explain to people why you do that. Those... When you register your documents with the Secretary of State's office, one of the things you, that happens with that process is they're they're lodged there permanently, and you can change them if you need to. But they're lodged there permanently, and you and then if you make changes, you need to give them the changes as well. And people in the healthcare profession can have access to that in two ways. Number one, uh, the Secretary of State's office is going to give you back a, a card, a laminated card you can put in your wallet that says, my documents are registered here. My living will, my powers of attorney are at the Secretary of State's office, and it also has an access code on that on that document. So people can get on there and, and make access to those uh, documents. More importantly, people who are health care providers, doctors, physicians, uh, nurse practitioners, uh, people in the healthcare industry, they have access to to those documents as well without that code. They have the access to it because it's the sec- at the Secretary of State's office. And that's when you can't communicate, it, it's imperative that Dr. Miller be able to get information that you want her to have about what to do with you. Okay. And that's all have free. Have you ever had to do that? Go online to find out what somebody's will, uh, last will was? I have never personally gone online to look for it. I usually will have family members bringing it in. They'll bring me a copy okay. of it or the original. They'll bring the original in so that we can look at it. Do you make copies and leave them in their file? Yes. Okay. So there's another place where people can go talk to their physician to see if they were included in these plans. I I really like... Um, the five wishes, the how they talk about the kind of treatment that you want at the end of your life. Because a lot of people will check a box that says, I only want to have treatment if if it might help. Well, there's a lot of treatment that might help. So that is the <laughs> box I see checked most of the time. You know, what I would really hope that people start looking at and getting a form that where it's where you can check a box that says, I want CPR. I don't want to be shocked. I don't mind having a breathing tube placed for me, but I don't want to go on dialysis. Um, I would, you know, be very specific. I would never want to live with a feeding tube. Um, I, I don't want to be resuscitated if I'm going to have to live in a nursing home for the rest of my life. You know, these are the things that I would really like to see that that's what's really going to be the important part for the doctor, because that box that says, 
do what you got to do unless you think it's not going to work. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not, not super helpful. And and family, they think that that's all they need to think about. They're like, well, we we checked that box. We signed the paper. And I'm going to be asking, you know, as we're doing chest compressions because their spouse's heart has stopped, uh, do you want me to go ahead and shock it? Do you want me to go ahead and put a tube in his throat to help him breathe? And uh, they're just standing there trying to think of what their loved one wanted, but they never had that in-depth conversation. So and they're in shock, we, too. We need to get, yeah. Well, why don't you work with Five Wishes and say, hey, you need to be more specific and add these these to your to your uh, Five Wish form? Because I think that would help people a lot. Yeah. There are some, for- yeah, I would agree. I'm not exactly sure what is on the five wishes form here for for what they want. I think there's some blank lines in yeah. the, many of these forms where you can supplement exactly the box yeah. checking. But, you know, people don't, if I was filling out a form like that, I wouldn't think of don't shock me or don't tase me or don't, you know, stick a tube down my throat. I wouldn't think of those things because I don't have that knowledge about the process that you do. So if you say, hey, these are your options, that helps me decide, oh, yeah, that sounds like fun. That doesn't, you know, <laughs> and do I want to live that way? So, you know, I, I think you should I think you should call them and, and tell them <laughs> and fix your form. So what do you take away for the listeners, and especially ones that don't have computer access? What is your takeaway? How to, how to get this put together? There is a... a a plethora of information out there available that doesn't require a computer. The law, the law library, the public libraries have great documentation available. They have form kits you can buy at the law library that address these kind of matters as well. Uh, I have to believe that Five Wishes, probably you can send them uh, an envelope with a stamp on it, and they'll send you back documents if you purchase it that way and forms. Uh, there's And, you know, it's, it's important to talk to the right people about what your interests are and what you think your plans might want to be, including healthcare advisors, but also including personal advisors. Maybe your minister or a pastor or somebody you have had a relationship with what has ideas about having worked with other people might be able to signal issues to you to consider. Dr. Miller, what do you suggest? And you're going to have people come to your office. Can I have that pamphlet that's in, the, <laughs> in your office? What, what do you suggest to people before... They have to have this to help you do your job easier. I ask that uh, they go home and discuss it with the the person that they love, or that's that they're planning on having the having to make the decisions and making sure that you're on the same page. I think a lot of people assume that it that it's going to be one way, and the spouse really has no idea of what they wanted. Um, you know, they had no idea that you would wouldn't want to be in a nursing home. Uh, You didn't want treatment unless you were going to be able to go home and sit on the couch and watch baseball on your own couch, you know. Exactly. So it's it's very important to talk about it, and please talk about it before it becomes an issue. Even when somebody gets that diagnosis of cancer, it's still a little bit late. Let's talk about it before we even get sick. Uh, let's talk about it when we're 45. Why wait till we're 65? Yeah, exactly. 
And every member of the family should have one, independent from the other people. Those buzzes don't care how old you are. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) So, you know, it is important. My mom was really worried that she was going to have um, a Methodist funeral when she's a Catholic, because my sister-in-law is Methodist. By the time I got to Chicago, the funeral was already planned. And because my sister-in-law is suffering from dementia, I didn't want to rock the boat. So my mother ended up with a Methodist funeral. And I was waiting for the lightning bolts, but nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, sorry, Mom. (laughs) This is the way it is. We'll sing Catholic songs. (laughs) So, yeah, you need to put it in writing. And my sister-in-law had no clue what, you know, and she was trying to do the best she could. Um, And that's just not that hard to do. And it's not. It's not. And, you know... I gave my sister-in-law POA because she was in Chicago. My mother's in Chicago, but my mother didn't communicate with her. And she'd tell me, and, you know, well, I thought she was talking to Maggie, too. And it didn't work out that way. So you have to communicate. And it's not an easy conversation to have, but it's one that everybody, everybody needs to have regardless. So, and take care of your pets. I didn't think about that. My cat, my cat is kind of vicious so i might just kind of will him to somebody that you know needs <laughs> <laughs> needs a wild cat in take their a, life take a challenge here <laughs> take a challenge and i want everybody go to the lawmatters1030.org go to our website check out our blog page uh scroll down there's a lot of information in there but there's there's a lot of pictures in there of search and rescue doing their job and we want to thank these people because they work really hard every day and, Russell, I want to thank you for coming in. I know you're a busy man. My pleasure. And I want to thank you, Dr. Miller, for coming in with all the, the chaos with our communications, but we got it done. And until next week, we've got we've got a pretty good show planned for next week. We've got a, a cold case investigator coming in. So if you've got questions about cold cases, I know I do, uh, get them ready because he's coming in. He's Pima County Cold Case Unit. And he's going to answer everything that we need to know. And until next week, I want everybody to stay safe. Shop local. Hi, this is Sherry inviting you to join Law Matters Live Show every Saturday morning at 8. On our next show, we have a conversation with Pima County Cold Case Investigator James Gaber. Do you have a cold case question? Get them ready and call in at 790-2040. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, And please support our mission at lawmatters1030.org. Until then, stay safe.